0: The focus here is to help you find the strength and support to help you feel lighter, happier, more positive, and in a better frame of mind to face the inevitable challenges of your current journey.
1: Welcome back to the Do Divorce Right podcast. I am always looking for positive divorce stories because I feel that when when you're in the thick of things, it just feels like I'm never going to get through this. Life is shit. Life is hard. Like it's just never going to get any better. And there aren't a lot of examples where people talk about divorce was the best thing that ever happened to me, or, you know, I don't worry, I navigated it and things have been great since. So I'm always on the lookout for positive divorce stories to create that, um, essentially expanders. So for people to hear these stories, realize that it's possible and start creating, like putting in place those steps that will help them. Um, really get there to thrive. Divorce, right? Post divorce. So, my guest today, her name is Janice Holland. Janice is an expat, at, which I we have in common, and I'm ex- excited <laughs> to learn a bit more about that. Um, and Janice's story includes being really close friends with her ex husband, who is now living apart. And you both have boyfriends, am I right? Yes, correct. Right. Yep, that's right. So, spoiler alert: Janice's ex husband. <laughs> <today, laughs> Um, but wasn't for a long time, right? So, Janice, thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share your story with us. I think, one, it's quite unique, Mm -hmm. but two, the fact that you've been able to, in your own words, get past your ego and do the work to be able to have a great relationship post-divorce, I want to hear all about that. Fantastic. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited. Yeah. So, Janice, you told me um, just before we started recording that you're from Texas, but you're based in Shanghai. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit more about that? How did you get to live in China? Yeah. Uh, so I when I was
2: uh, I was going to grad school in NYU. So I did live in New York City while I was um, going to grad school, even though I'm from Texas. And I knew I wanted to be adventurous. I knew I wanted to live abroad abroad. Um, at the time, New York City was as adventurous as I could get, which is pretty adventurous for somebody from Texas, but I wanted even more. I just couldn't figure out how to get there. I, I didn't know people. My family is not a connected family. Like there, I grew up lower middle class, so I just didn't have the connections or the resources to really know how to do it. Um, so I ended up moving back to Texas after I graduated to start my career, um, but I was kind of looking at international school. And trying to figure out how to, I'd heard about them. At the time, I only knew about schools, Department of Defense schools. So the Department of Defense has schools all over the world for military employees, and um, not just military, but anybody who works for the government. What Um, did you studying in New York? uh, I I was studying applied psychology. So I got a dual degree in school counseling and. a degree to be a psychotherapist like in private practice. Okay. Um, so I had been a teacher before and I, I was trying to bridge that gap between I knew school counseling would be like an easy way to get would be like the next step into private practice. So I didn't have to have an income dip. So that's kind of was my plan. And I was trying to get in as a school counselor internationally, but I, I just couldn't quite figure out how to do it now. I like know all the things to do. But of course at that time I had no idea. So Uh, We ended up moving back to Texas and I just got a job as a school counselor there and ended up um, transitioning into a private practice in Texas. And my husband at the time started when I finished grad school, he then started going to grad school, but he was traveling to, we live in the Dallas area and he was traveling to Houston every summer and he would live in Houston for the summer. And he did that three summers in a row to get his master's Um, and his roommate in Houston got a job in an international school this is a long story but it's good um um, so that was and he knew like I would talk to his roommate about it when I would go visit my husband with the kids and stuff and I'd be like this I just want to do that that sounds so amazing and how do you get into that so he kind of told us a little bit but again I just there were a lot of barriers at that time that maybe we can get into later with with my ex-husband and kind of his mindset and where he was at and um, so we just kind of settled into life in Texas and that, but I was always a little frustrated. I knew that I, I wanted more. I knew I wanted more for my kids. Um, I just couldn't quite figure out how to get there or what to do. And i um, fast forward 10 years. That was 10 years of, of that. And this roommate contacted my ex one day through a Facebook messenger. They hadn't even really talked in a few years and was like, Hey, so this school I work at in Shanghai has a counselor position open and a theater teacher position open. He knew that my ex was a theater teacher. He's like, are you guys
1: interested? Oh my God, are you joking? And like, oh, so <laughs> <available>.
2: <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I just immediately, I was like, are you kidding? This is like on our, he just mentioned it on his way out the door to work. He's like, I got this weird message from John. What do you think? I was like, oh my God, yes. So I spent the day, like, uh, you know, getting my resume updated because I was, well, I was five years into my private practice at that point. I had a full caseload. We had our light, you know, I was like, yes, yes, oh, my gosh, yes. So I was so excited. I got my, my resume ready. And then he sent it off and we went to bed and we woke up the next morning from messages from the American school in Shanghai and, and they were like, we want to interview you. And literally two days later, this is right before Christmas and they were trying to get all the hires done before they left for the Christmas break. So they squinched all of our interviews and in together in two days In two days, we had jobs in China for the, for the next fall. Um, so we kind of sat on it through Christmas. We didn't tell our kids or our family or anything. We wanted to just get through Christmas.
1: So Maybe after China at this point, had you been there?
2: No, we had never been to China. We had never been, uh, I mean, we had traveled a little bit in Europe, but never been to Asia at all. I was just so excited to finally get out. Um, so, yeah, then I spent that spring semester, like, closing down my practice and
1: selling all of our things. And um, and here we are. So that was seven years ago. <laughs> well, you know what I was saying earlier about expanders and those stories that just make it... Yeah a possible for your brain to recognize that it's possible and that's exactly what the flatmate was for you it was like I, I think yes. I this thing and I'm not sure what that looks like I'm not even sure if it's possible and then the flat the housemate from from Houston was like here it is it does exist yeah it's possible. yeah how exciting all right so you're yeah. in Shanghai now mm-hmm. uh, how old were your children when you moved to Shanghai uh
2: they were third grade and eighth grade so like Nine, no, eight, 13. No, I'm
1: sorry. Seven and 13, seven and 13. Yeah. Yeah. And um, how long were you living in Shanghai or that's probably the wrong way to ask. At what point did your husband start realizing that he was gay or was ready to. <laughs> yeah. Try- so
2: we had issues from the very first night. Um and we kind of we we were raised in a very religious conservative community and so what we were unsure what to blame it on what the problem is like we he wasn't so motivated to have sex and so then we started doing this research and found out that like so many people from the conservative community who were not who were like so shamed for being sexual at all. And then all of a sudden you get married and overnight you're supposed to be okay with having sex. So like, that's kind of a common problem that a lot of people in religious conservative communities face. I would say it's usually more the woman than the man, but we were like, okay, well, maybe this is part of the problem. We both had sexual abuse in our histories. And so we, we were like, maybe that's part of it, but we just never were able to really figure out. I mean, we did have sex. Obviously, we have two kids, but it was always an issue, always a problem. Mm-hmm. And then there was just a lot of um, emotional turmoil. Emotional. Um, he was. He was very. He was the early days emotionally abusive at times. Um, anytime I would mention I, I, I'm frustrated. I'm not happy. I'm upset. He would blow up and get really big and basically do whatever he needed to do to get me to sh- shut down and be quiet and just not ask questions. You know, I know now he just didn't want to base himself. But at the time, his way of managing that was to make it all appear to be my fault. Um, You're
1: a psychotherapist. So do yeah. you think it's <laughs> difficult then to navigate that? I mean, it's hard enough for a normal human being, but somebody who's yeah. experienced in this space
2: yeah it's interesting though when it's personal and when it's your own relationship and it's actually a really really common thing for therapists to end up in these kinds of relationships because we're highly empathetic and um we do really connect with other people and want to help other people and so I think I unconsciously was was doing that I was trying to help him and save him and make it okay
1: and um noticing that the behavior was not okay so yeah the emotional abuse piece the blame you you would have been able to see that there is yeah, you know, there's behavior here that is not okay and-
2: absolutely absolutely and so I but I decided well then I'll just stay in therapy myself I have things to work on I have things to fix and I really did believe um in a lot of I mean again I think a third party could look at our marriage and, and see it and I can I can name some therapists that I went to over the years who were like Janice, but when it's your relationship and your love and your connection, like you're blind to a lot of what's happening. Right. And we, we started dating in high school and got married right after college. And so I wasn't a therapist until 10 years into our relationship. So it was, I was deep into it by the time I, you know, so, and that, that's part of my, honestly, I don't even remember your original question, but this is at the top of my mind right now. Like, thank God, I am so the universe is looking out for us because had we moved overseas early in, uh, you know, the 10 years earlier, um, we were s- such a mess at that point and so lost in his really reactive, emotionally abusive state, I was... I'm so unsure of who I was and what's going on and what I need and what I want and still doing a lot of healing and recovery of my own from some childhood issues that I had, some abuse and things. So like it, w- it's, had we moved overseas at that point, we would not be able to be friends right now. We would not have been able to navigate. And I think of what that would mean for my boys, what that would mean for us financially.
1: Let me just ask. We needed to talk that. Is yeah. That- mm-hmm. Okay that you would have had the support that you needed in China or because you had experiences that were stressful that you needed to have already done some work before you could?
2: Yeah, I just don't think I would have been emotionally mature enough to handle it, and neither would, would he. Like, had we, yeah, to the, so getting out of our home culture is what exposed very quickly how not okay he was and how unstable he was. And how much of a lie he was living? He was able to hide under the re- this religious umbrella mm-hmm. and like behave in all the ways that you're supposed to behave religiously, but not. But there was no real interpersonal connection with us. The marriage was pretty much over by the time we moved away, even though we were playing the game very well. Um, had we moved ten years earlier, there was just still so much turmoil and so much immaturity, and both of that I, we wouldn't, the marriage would have ended because we were out of the culture and he would, he didn't know how to be anything outside of that religious environment. But I didn't have the, the foundation within myself to know who I am and know what I want and know how to communicate and say, that's not okay. And this is not, I would have just crumbled. Yeah. Right. And, would and then he
1: w- yeah,
2: he would have been really active and blaming me for everything. Mm-hmm. And I did this and I did that. He wouldn't have been able to take responsibility for his part of it. And so I, be, for those reasons, I don't think we would have been able to navigate maintaining a friendship
0: mm-hmm. and
2: a co-parenting relationship had it ended
1: I think earlier. that's really important, right? Having that emotional maturity really makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And you can't mm-hmm. drag somebody into that. So, right. Let me ask you about your can we name your ex husband? Can we use his first name? Sure. It's Kirk. Or otherwise, we could just call him your ex. But yeah. <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> so, can I ask you about kind of Kirk doing the work, right? We're talking about how do you get from being quite reactive and not knowing why you don't know yourself very well? Because clearly, like mm-hmm. when you say the protective of the religious umbrella, He didn't know yet why he wasn't okay with who Mm -hmm. he was. Um, And emotional maturity being so critical to being able to have a division that ends up in friendship and amicable co-parenting. How did you, I'm I'm not going to ask you to speak on behalf of Kirk, but from your point of view, what work do you think Kirk did and how did you help him navigate that to be able to get to his well
2: um yeah I don't think it's one thing so I can kind of tell you what I see in hindsight some of it is just age by the time we moved here we were um, just under forty years old so some of it is just natural maturity right yeah. um and, and but I think as much as it is that it's also I then had almost ten years of therapeutic practice, therapeutic. So I, I had grown and developed and matured so much. I, I knew how to set boundaries with him and I knew like he didn't have an option to blame me for anything. Like there wasn't any more, like I wasn't playing any of the games anymore. I had completely stepped out of those triangulations and, and all of that drama that he tried to stir up and create And he was at that point, I know a lot of people just never really get there, but he was at that point able to see like, okay, right. She hasn't really, I I didn't do anything. I hadn't, he had nothing to blame anything on. And so, and then I, just because of the work that I do, I know how to ask a lot of questions. I know how to frame things. I know. And I really, really, really wanted our marriage to work. I dreamed of us really making it and and I actually about a year after we arrived here in Shanghai I gave him my ring back and I said you will do whatever you need to do to figure yourself out and I dream of the day where you can propose to me and actually be a husband to me but I was able to articulate very clearly what that looked like and what I needed in and in a partner and a husband because at that time it was more of like a I'm mom and he's a kid like we had Mm-hmm. Developed this relationship where he was very dependent on me emotionally and and I would go to bed dreaming of the day that he proposed to be in Bali and we got remarried and like I really thought at the time that he could do the work.
1: Did it break yeah. your heart in a second time when you realized that was not possible when he did come out?
2: Yeah it was really quite devastating like it it was I mean I don't know how to describe it other than earth shattering i I think Mm -hmm. as all divorces are but
1: absolutely and i can imagine you would have been torn because now you have an answer where kirk can be comfortable with who he is which would have made you so happy yeah yeah he could be himself and like himself and yet so heartbroken that it meant not getting back together not having that happy ever after yeah yeah feel that
2: Yeah, it was really, it was, um, so he, he actually, once I gave him the ring back, it made him angry at first because he wasn't good with me setting boundaries, but then he actually flew home and went to like a one week intensive therapy session with a therapist and decided to do the work before when we would try to do therapy together, when he would go to therapy, he would do it for maybe a month, but then when it got real, he would quit. And then he would have some kind of excuse for he didn't like the therapist, or he doesn't have time, or what, whatever. Learning about
1: himself, I'm guessing. Um,
2: exactly, yeah. Um, so it was about, gosh, I, I think it might have been three years. No, it was two years. In. It was two years of him trying to figure it out. Um, and our relationship had actually gotten to a place where it was better than it had ever been. We, there was no emotional blow ups. there was lots of communication. There was him owning all the bullshit that he had pulled over the years. Um, a lot of things that a lot of people don't ever get I did get in the last two years of our marriage, which I'm really quite grateful for. Um, and he and then it was Father's Day actually of 2020. Um, we had gone to bed and he turned the light back on and he sat up and he was trembling and shaking and we had had a lot of these moments over those two years so I was like okay here we go this is another so I sat up with him I was like what do you you know just tell me what you need to say and it took him a long I mean at least 10 minutes he just couldn't say it and he just said Janice I'm gay and I that's just who I am and Of course, my heart immediately sank, and um, I said, "Okay." And we talked a little bit more, and I was like, "I don't, I don't think this is the end. This can't be the end. This can't be the way this story ends." And he was like, "I don't, I don't want to lose you. The best thing that's ever happened to me, but I don't know what to do." And I, you know, and so we just eventually went to bed that night. And um, Father's Day is like June, so we sat on it for about a month together and just had lots of conversation, lots of tears. Um, He got a therapist that specialized in coming out late, which I think was one of the best moves he could have made, somebody who really knew how to navigate and help him handle this. And a a month later, we decided it was time to tell our kids. And we still didn't know at this point what we were going to do, if we're going to stay together, if we're going to separate, if we were going to try and live in the same house, but separately.
1: Oh, interesting. He knew,
2: yeah, he knew how unhappy I was with i i just wanted a a man i wanted to be treated like a woman i wanted to feel like a woman and i just never did with him um and for that he was like i can live the rest of my life without like pursuing being gay but that's not the solution here because i know how unhappy you are i know we gotta figure something else out and just the fact that we could have these conversations i can't tell you how much our relationship changed in those two years to be to be able to talk like this with each other. That would have never happened. This is kind of what I mean by we needed that extra time. Mm. Um, so we decided to tell our boys one at a time because they're five years apart. And our oldest is very introverted. He's very uh, thoughtful. He doesn't like to express or expose his emotions. Um, so we knew that he would need, and we could tell him where he's older. He was 16. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Kirk wrote letters to both boys to, to tell them. So I guess that he could organize his thoughts better. So we sat down our oldest and told him he didn't ask a lot of questions. We didn't think he would. Um, and he left the room pretty quickly and I think went to go talk to his friends. It played out pretty much exactly like we thought it would. Our youngest is external with all of his thoughts and feelings. We knew that he would have a million questions and that he would want us all together. So we asked Harrison to come back um, for his little younger brothers when we told his younger brother. And that was twofold. We knew our youngest would need our oldest would want our oldest there. And we also knew that our oldest needed to hear all of our youngest questions because we knew he would have a lot. (laughs) (laughs) uh,
1: (laughs) We'll get on the same page because he gets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you know, then our youngest started asking, what does this mean? Are you going to break up? Or are you, is your marriage ending? Are you, you know, we were just like, we, we don't really know. We know. Um, So we just navigated the next few weeks as a family you know being in an expat community is tricky because everybody knows everybody Mm -hmm. and uh (laughs) 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 we knew that this would be juicy juicy information once it got out so we we didn't tell anybody before our kids knew because we knew that then
1: yeah of course people
2: would be coming up to our kids and you know so we just had to be really really methodical about how we Told everybody, and well, when what, we told everybody,
1: yeah, that's why Go I'm quite interested. When you said you didn't have a plan, like you hadn't thought through those: where are we going to live, or how is this going to play out? Because that's usually one of my recommendations is for people to really, if possible, work together on that plan, like figure that mm-hmm. out before you have the conversation with the children, because then you've got something that they can anchor to, especially when they're 11. Yeah. Like the uncertainty of it's a lot for an adult to cope with. It's a lot. To yeah. Have that uncertainty. So mm-hmm. I was interested to hear you didn't have a plan. Tell me how, how did that play out then?
2: Well, we knew we did promise the boys when we talked to them that we would stay close. Like we just said, we we have to talk because our company has offers our housing. Like we didn't, we don't have our own housing. And I was unsure, if the company would be willing to split our housing because it's in our contract that they will not. But I I just didn't know if I could talk to them and reason with them or not.
1: So there was just a lot of complicated moving factors. It's not especially accepted in China either, right? So right, not- right. And know that you would have their support. So that would have been challenging. Mm-hmm.
2: So what we did promise them is like, we're a family, We're going to figure this out. We're going to stay as close as possible. We don't know what that looks like yet. We have to talk to HR department. We have, you know, there's just, and we told them like, nobody knows, but you, we wanted to be sure that, you know, first. Um, So maybe if you're not living in an expat community, you could do things in different orders, but we, we just, because the community is so small and so tight and because we had to get permissions for. Even living in separate housing, um, we had to tell them first in order to for them to not find out from somebody else on the playground or whatever, you know. So we just promised them, look, you're we're going to be really honest with you from here moving forward. There won't be any surprises. You will know before any step happens. Um, so I went to HR. They were great. They were able to find or they will, were able to give. Kirk, an apartment within the same compound, the same complex. So it was just a walk away, a building over, a couple of buildings mm-hmm. over. Um, so then we went back to the boys and sat them down and said, okay, your dad is going to live here. And we even named like the Wi Fi, his Wi Fi, the annex. So we made it for the kids like, this is the house and that's the annex and you know, <laughs> you're going to, we just, I, after we were married 19 years, so after that many years, of course, a part of my spirit n- needed desperately and wanted to be free. And while I initially was so crushed, I was so thankful to finally have an answer.
1: Yeah, of course. I
2: finally have a solution of all these years of like, what's wrong? What is the not deal? Me. What? Why? Right. Yeah. Um, But I, I was really intentional not to you know, I was in therapy and with my girlfriends, I could talk about, I could release the, the tension and the pressure of like, Oh my God, I can't wait to date. I can't wait to have sex. I can't wait to, you know, just all these things. But I kept my head on, like I I had to navigate it with my children in a way that was, they felt really safe. Yeah. And they felt, you know, like After 19 years, I can wait six more months. Like I can, (laughs) I can keep my head on my shoulders and figure out how to get them through this season of us figuring out how we're going to separate and what that's going to look like and where we're going to live and who's going to, you know, who's going to take what. Um, But of course I definitely had hard feelings and, but I just chose to channel those feelings in my therapy sessions and with my girlfriends and not with him and not with
1: my kids. And how did he move out of your? How, how long? How long now have you been in separate homes? Um, so he moved out in August of 2020. So that was. It's okay. been
2: years
1: now. Three, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you go on holiday together now.
2: We do. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, we've just slowly navigated. Um, I know that I still need space from him. I know that he still kind of drives me crazy sometimes and he, the way he thinks and the way he does. And really what I notice when we're together is we fall back into some old patterns of him, Mm -hmm. like kind of checking out and not really engaging and numbing out. And then me like trying to do all the things and make sure everybody's okay and happy. And I just, I don't want to play that role anymore. And I don't know how I haven't talked to him about it. I don't know how aware he is of how he kind of defaults back to his old self. Uh so I've learned I need separate rooms and not cuz we have traveled before and even slept in the same bed like we're able to do that and it's not uncomfortable other than I just emotionally need the space so that I can decompress and just take yeah. care of me.
1: And have you um, met new partner met your new partners? Your, your partner. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I dated uh, the guy that I'm with for about a year before I introduced him to my kids. Beautiful. And I was able to do that because uh, they shared, you know, when they were with their dad, then I would go do my dating. And when they were with me, then I would not. So for
1: people, you know, that kind of works out nicely for those of us who can co-parent like that. Yeah, <laughs> when you become a blended family. Then the next step is, I don't know if your partner has children or not, but mm-hmm. what Lovely about the blended family is like one weekend with older kids, one weekend with no kids. So- yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So I mean I'm
2: I'm lucky in that um their dad is at a place now where I know that they're okay when they're with him. Uh, again. I, I was there my youngest was-
1: wasn't true? yeah
2: yeah when my youngest was a baby I almost ended the marriage because he I just knew it wasn't right I knew the way he was treating me wasn't right but I was terrified of I knew that I would get blamed for ending the marriage because the religious community would blame me and he was so good at twisting everything to make people believe that he's good and I'm bad Mm. um I just knew I, I was scared for my son to be with him because I knew how manipulative he was. And I, at least if I stay, I can shelter my son a little bit from all of that rage, <clears throat> the rage and the chaos. I think a lot of people, I mean, I would imagine a lot of people are in that situation. Like you want it to end, but then do you want to expose your kids to no being I- in an environment where you can't, <laughs> you know? So you feel kind of trapped, which is another. I mean, there were a lot of years I felt really trapped
1: because of that. Trapped in that um, you were in the marriage or out of the marriage. So I'm just asking. You know, in the marriage. Um, in the marriage. Mm-hmm.
2: Unhappy. He's not being anywhere near a husband I need or want him to be. But if I leave, then I know he'll get at least fifty percent custody of the kids, and I can't. I didn't I don't want to put them in that situation where I couldn't protect them from his rage and his I think that's emotional instability.
1: Interesting what you've said there about the religious community had created a behavior of blame that then led him to behave in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about yeah. having a divorce having come from that religious community? Are you still connected to the community?
2: Not really. I mean, i I have people there that I still talk to, but I'm i I consider myself very spiritual, but not religious. In fact, I had a conversation when I was home with my mom. My boyfriend and I are living together. We just moved in together in um, June of this year. Mm-hmm. Going great. We're so happy and having fun. And um, and my mom, I think she says she's okay with it. I mean, she hasn't told me, but we'll see if she's. But I can tell her friends are giving her a hard time about like, oh, well, what, you know, when is she going to marry him? Because in their mind, that's all the, like, it doesn't matter what we've done. If we buried, then all of a sudden it's okay for us to be living together. And I just said, mom, look, I am closer to God, the universe, whatever you want, uh, than I have ever been. I'm so at peace deeply within myself. I don't give a flying F about what your friends think. And if you don't want to talk to them about it, then don't tell them any. The only reason they know is because you're talking about it. So stop talking about it if you don't want to listen to their BS. You
0: know? Yeah.
2: So I'm at total peace and so happy, um, and so glad to be free from that the oppression that a lot of religious communities create. And I'm even more happy that my kids have been didn't really grow up in it. Um, that we left before they were old and I mean my oldest still remembers quite a bit because he was 13 when we left but um,
0: what about
1: Kurt and his connection with the religious community if they I'm I think
2: and he's in a similar place
1: as me he doesn't
2: he still considers himself spiritual he might say he's a Christian I'm not sure Um, and he still has some friends there, but I also know that he gets messages on Facebook and the, like, if he posts anything with his boyfriend or about being gay, then they will send him messages about going to hell and, um, Mm -hmm. that the judgment is coming and it breaks my heart actually. And I've, yeah, there've been some really hard things for me, but to be honest, I would rather be on my side of the situation than on his.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And his family accept that he's gay? Um,
2: he doesn't have a relationship with his brothers, so I don't really know. It's not because of this. It's I think it's just family dynamics over time have broken down. When he initially told his parents, they said, okay, we love you. But um, they don't ever talk about it. It's kind of like this thing that nobody ever as it talks about my, and we're not there very often we don't go back home very COVID kind of helped us in that way we couldn't go home for a long time and now we just don't feel like we have a lot to go home to this yeah. is more home to us and so uh, they love him but I I don't think it would go well if he were to bring a partner home I don't think they they would respond well to that
1: not that that's any of my business I was just hoping he yeah. is accepted
2: <laughs> He's really- yeah
1: happy with who he is you know yeah yeah I'm just going to do a little bit of a a wrap up on what I heard from you on what it took Mm -hmm. to navigate this and get to a place where you can genuinely be happy for Kirk and his Mm -hmm. relationship where you can be happy with your relationship and move in with someone and amicably co-parent with him despite 19 years of a marriage the breakup and some of that feeling trapped so what i heard from you is that emotional maturity was absolutely critical you had some natural maturity come with age um that there was 10 years of personal development in there as you mm-hmm. were doing therapy becoming a therapist yourself that you had some great boundaries um you know developing those good boundaries meant not accepting blame not playing games, not allowing him to make you feel a certain way. So I thought that was really beautiful. I also thought it was lovely what you said about you developed the ability to ask good questions. And I think anybody can get that. If we approach a situation with curiosity, right, Mm -hmm. good questions are tell me more. Like, Mm -hmm. Why do you feel that way? Why are you reacting in the way that you are? What did I do here that that brought that out in you and then one other thing you'd mentioned was that you were able to develop that ability to stay calm even in the face of his anger and frustration yeah was there anything I've missed there about your tool yeah no I I think you you nailed it it's it's um
2: learning how to be okay with him not being okay and him not believing me or getting it and not not letting that rile me up, right? Like not letting that, because that's a lot of times what draws us in. We're like, no, you're gonna, you know, like we get so, we need that sense of justice. We need them to see it our way and to, but once I learned how to separate myself from that and just be like, you know what? He may not mm-hmm. ever see it the way I see it and I'm gonna be okay with that. Mm-hmm man, there's so much freedom in that once I finally could get there.
1: Yeah, there's so much freedom in that. You're absolutely <laughs> yeah. And it's it's so empowering too because we're mm-hmm. not buying into that kind of almost a victim mentality of, no, no, you, yeah. have, to get, you have to understand mm-hmm. it my way, otherwise I lose. <laughs> right. <laughs> down and I go, I'm okay that he doesn't get it that way. It's all right. Mm-hmm. We can still yeah. get to go without either of us having to have that conversation again and again. Right. Tell us, if there were like awards for doing divorce, right. You <laughs> like have one. You've really gone through a lot and you've really done it successfully. How incredible. I think. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Inspiration. Thank
2: you. Right. One step at a time. Like, you know, you're never going to see the end from the beginning. So just take the next right step, right. And then the next step that's for you
1: mm-hmm. and that's it
2: right. will work out.
1: Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you so much for coming on to share your story. I wish you the best of luck with your new partner, and thank you so much
0: and his relationship too.
1: Yeah, thanks.
0: Thanks for listening. I hope you took something of value out of this episode. I'm your host, Becca Maxwell, and you can find me on the web at dodivorceright.com or on Instagram at dodivorceright. I look forward to connecting with you there.